0: My feelings are deep, overwhelming, and scary. Somewhere along the way, I learn to ignore these feelings, to hide them, even from myself. I'm so uncomfortable being honest, being vulnerable, that sometimes I don't even know I'm lying. I'm tired of trying to be who I'm supposed to be instead of who I am. Sound familiar? Instead of being ashamed and feeling guilty, let's take responsibility. Let's tell the truth. I'm afraid to do this podcast. I'm afraid I'm the wrong person to host. I'm afraid I'll screw it up. But who cares? Let's have difficult conversations and express feelings we're afraid of that we're not supposed to share. Let's explore the masculine and the feminine rather than persecute them. Let's break out of our binary understanding of the world, of sex, of gender, Let's be sensitive together, regardless of the labels we carry or the ones foisted upon us. Let's practice accessing that child inside and experiment with honesty and vulnerability. I know I need that. Maybe you do too. I'm Andy Green, and this is the Naked Man Podcast. Andy Green, and welcome to the Naked Man Podcast. It's time to get naked. Emotionally, of course. My first guest is a writer, a husband, a friend, and soon-to-be father, Kyle Dickinson. But I always think of Kyle as Kyle Munich, because that's how I entered him in my phone when we met 10 years ago, and that's how he remains. Kyle and I met at a hostel in Munich when we were in our 20s. When we first met, I thought he was an asshole, He was merely a rival in my quest to pick up German girls, and I'm sure I played the same stupid role in his story. Thankfully, we bonded over Schweinhaxe, aka pork knuckle, in a dark, sad restaurant. We realized we were both homesick, both spending our first Christmas away from home. We went to Europe looking for love, and we found it in each other. (laughs) (laughs) Over the years, many of my friendships have plateaued or even gone stagnant, but with Kyle it feels like our relationship is always evolving. Our conversations have reshaped my perspective on what friendship could be. I can be myself around Kyle and I hope he can be himself around me. The more we've dared to share with one another, the more vulnerable we've been, the closer we have become. That sounds obvious, but it took a decade to get here. Which is why he was my only choice for our pilot and that Kyle not only agreed, but was all in just two weeks before his first child says everything about who Kyle is. And just like there was no other choice but Kyle, there was no other choice for our theme than identity. Nice guy, writer, husband, father, friend, straight, white, male. These are the identities we've adopted or been given, the identities we're constantly in battle with. Our identities shape how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to be. They can keep us from talking about certain things, from being the people we want to be. That's why this is where our journey begins. Kyle Munich, welcome to the show. Hey, Andy. Uh that was really uh
1: special. Thank you for Thanks for sharing that. Um I, I, I had no idea that I was Kyle Munich, so that's a reveal. To the point where like sometimes
0: I forget what your last <laughs> name is.
1: And then yeah, that was just uh yeah, I I teared up a little bit. Um you know, it's uh-huh. not very often that um you know, people actually tell you Uh, what they think of you or like what they are what you are in their head when you said we were in a sad restaurant I was like oh that wasn't how I felt like (laughs) but I could be there and maybe I'm forgetting you know that it was like a sad like Christmas Eve or something.
0: I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I I the sad maybe that was a little performative, but the dark I remember it being dark. Oh, it was very uh,
1: dark in the yeah. photos that I have. You it's it's one of those things where it's like a iPhone
0: 4 or something and <laughs> you can barely see anybody. And and then I think I forced you to watch me eat pork knuckle like two more times. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I didn't want to eat pork knuckle that night. Like was <laughs> I like trying to
1: did I already to be or is that, I was trying to be as felt. I did care a, like a lot about what I looked like on that trip for sure. I was following like somebody on Tumblr who like was really into a certain kind of like masculine fashion that I wanted to, I guess evoke in myself. So I'd never had like a point of view on like what I looked like uh, as far as like what I wore. And so it was like the first time I wanted to like roll up my pants, you know, the cuffs on my pants, oh, like yeah. ab- I above the <laughs> And like, all oh, my whole life I'd wanted a leather jacket, like, but I never thought I would buy one um, because I was just like, oh, I won't look good in a leather jacket, like, that's not who I am, you know. Yeah, that was a that was a decision, like a purposeful decision that I made, where I was like, oh, I like think I look good. I was single because. I'd been in a couple year relationship um, and then we had broken up like the previous year. So,
0: so, yeah. so you really were Kyle Munich. You were a different Kyle or you were, you were trying on a new, a new identity. A new, I, yeah. I, I think that was what the asshole was when I was saying it. It was just like, I don't think you actually were. It was maybe I was threatened. I was like, oh, this guy's actually putting effort in. I'm like wearing the same shirt I wore for like, you know, I was just a vagabond. I think. Right. Well, you were on a totally different journey, right? Well, and that's Uh, and that, but like that we had, we knew that we realized we were on completely different trips, journeys. I mean, I think the point was the same, right? We wanted to meet girls and we wanted to see Europe. I really wanted to go to Germany for Christmas
1: because my mom's um, family was from Germany. And growing up, my grandfather would sing Stille Nacht. Um, and so like, you know, my, my thing was that night on Christmas Eve, like I went to church and like, I just wanted to be in a cathedral because I remembered midnight masses from growing up Catholic, you know? So yeah,
0: oh, yeah man, it was a very
1: specific, I, I I think I invited you, uh, I said but no, I don't think no. that
0: was, I, th- I don't think that was your bag. Yeah. No, but like now I recognize that that would have been a cool thing to do. Uh, I might've yeah, like. No. I might've had a call with my parents, honestly, like, and like, Oh, like, that actually that. was it. I think, Yeah. I think it was, but yeah, Christmas was another thing that sort of connected us to such a big deal for both of yeah. us. And that was the first time we had been out on our own. It was a conscious decision, especially for you. Like I, I had the same thing of like, Oh, Germany for Christmas. That makes sense. Like, so I'll, I'll shape yeah. the trip to get there, but it wasn't the reason or it was just sort of a, a happy confluence of events and i think that maybe the happiest was yeah meeting you like in terms of the people i've met or other things you're the like the only thing that remains aside from i guess the memories right
1: those are even iffy you yeah
0: know? well certainly yeah like <laughs> like sad restaurant apparently you know uh maybe i was just sad right uh so that's no probably. that's that's what yeah. i was thinking yeah yeah i think so well like how are you kyle how are you doing today
1: I'm doing, like, in this moment, like, I'm just feeling very light and, like, warm because of that intro that you uh, <laughs> read. Uh, but also because, like, I think it's true what you said. Like, I can be myself around you, even if, like, it's on a Zoom. So, I, yeah, I, I feel I, at ease in this exact moment. I feel like, you know, the things that I like about myself are going to, like you like those things. So like, that makes me feel good. You know, like, I I feel like that's an underrated part of like, friendship, right? Is like, of course, I like things about you, but I like that you like me
0: too. But yeah, I was gonna say, like, you know, do we need a safe word for this conversation? But I feel like we we don't like that was what you said. Yeah, because I wanted I think I want that option each each week, just in case, but you can just say pork knuckle, you know, and, and we'll, we'll figure it out or find <laughs> Hoxa, which I didn't, which I I'll f- never be able to say. I, I haven't done it right yet. So uh, I was like, oh, I needed to get your family to, to come in for that pronunciation, but maybe I'll do like a really awkward edit to like, like a Google, a Google <laughs> translate, like woman <laughs> says it fine haka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. I think uh, I had a lot of like nervousness and weird, like, what the fuck are we doing? And then. Once we've started talking about, you know, how we met, that's, that's like the comfortable place where most friends go. And sometimes it annoys me, but it's weird. I feel like we don't talk about it too much, even though it's like probably the craziest way I met some. Well, actually, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, then, no, t- totally. But it
1: it is, you know, if you're, if you were to tell the story of us, that, that would inevitably have to be in there. Yeah. I mean, and our friendship totally has changed over the last 10 years, you know, um, that was obviously like a, a really special time, but I met a lot of people on that trip too, who like, I sort of kept in touch with as I'm sure that you did. And then like, who knows what would have happened if
0: you hadn't moved to LA? I don't think we had much contact uh, in between. I was going to ask you in terms of your identity in that moment. And I think for both of us, what were we in the middle of nice guy? Is that what we were in our head? We were the nice guy when we were, in europe or i mean certainly early 20s uh, teens uh yeah certainly early 20s and teens i feel like
1: i it's it's tough because i feel like i don't even know if i could have acknowledged the nice guy um idea more until like post me too movement almost right um I mean, like I was actively doing something on that Europe trip I could not do in America. You know, and what I mean is that like I could go to a bar and like actually talk to a woman. Whereas like, you know, every bar trip that I would make with my buddies would be like, you know, in Culver City, we would like all sit sit in the same section and like look at a group of girls and be like, God, it would be so cool to talk to them and then like never do it, you know, and it was really just an excuse for us to go hang out together, you know, and like
0: pretending that we were going to actually maybe meet a girl at a bar. I think men in their 40s, if they're single, still do the same thing. It's almost like you need an excuse to hang out rather than it just being I like this person. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like it has to be. And then and then that creates the little the dynamic of like, oh, we're here to pick up girls. And then it sort of that perpetuates itself when it's just like, yeah, why why couldn't we just admit we just wanted to have fun and have a beer with the, the guys? That is what we wanted to do. And also it was what was safe and comfortable at that time. It was far more fun to dream about the girl across the bar than ever go and talk to her, which. I mean, it's a terrible way to meet anyone anyway, but, uh, but like, we've seen it. Yeah. We've seen it work so many times in, in movies and TV shows. And also how else are you supposed to meet these people? Yeah. It's like, how else are you supposed to meet people
1: that are not just friends of your friends who, you know, especially in your mid twenties, it's like, you know, I feel like you always have that friend who's like dated everybody's like Closest girl, uh, woman friend in the group, and then it's like, I don't know, that always just like presents problems for the friend group of like, oh, now we can't get together with that person anymore because Ben already like broke up with them and wasn't a super nice guy about it or
0: something. (laughs) Oh, yeah, well, but I mean, I think I was, I feel like I wanted to be Ben, so I was just like, I, oh, totally. So like, but then I wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. So it was just, that was awkward too. (laughs) You know, just like, oh, let's, uh," and then nothing coming of it. Um, But yeah, like the nice guy, I definitely didn't have recognition of this sort of, I think I did see myself as a nice guy. I don't know if I ever like put it in quotes or saw it as an identity, but I think I always felt like I was the good person. I was the, when we talked about this, you sort of mentioned the idea of being the protagonist. And yeah, I mean, that, that is how I saw myself despite, I mean, even when I'm not, I'm like, I don't know, it's just like an impossible standard. It's also a myth, right? Like, no,
1: it's, well, it's like a, you're always the protagonist of your own story. Like you're always like, like making little lies to, you know, make you come out as the person who's right or the person who's good. But like, I mean, I, I think specifically for me and sort of the And I'm doing air quotes, the nice guy. I mean, it was high school and college for me, like the whole way through, you know, like it was the having a massive, um, unrequited uh, love of a girl who I was really good friends with and who was dating a guy who she would complain about, me, and that I would hear from other people treated her terribly and so that was where the nice guy comes in because like i'm the nice guy that they're gonna notice because i'm here i absolutely like recognize now the you know quality inherent of that of like deserving to um essentially like I'm, i'm not I have a friendship with that person, but I'm like seeing them as so much more, never telling them that, and then them becoming just an ideal rather than a person. Right. So there's all of that inherent stuff all bound up with the nice guy oh, identity, I think.
0: Yeah. There's this, I mean, and it happens in movies all the time. And that's, and, and, and that's where I feel like it was just programmed, where it just sort of like, even if you start out as a friend with a a girl, it it always ends up there, right? It sort of said that that's step one. So so I was like really good with step one, it felt like. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm a friend with this girl. I'm in love with this girl. And then that has to mean something. I listen, I pay attention. Yeah, I'm not the dick, but let's keep in mind, especially in college, I was just as drunk and and idiotic and stupid. She just didn't see it. I wasn't doing it uh, around her. Uh, so I, I could I could keep the illusion in my head that I was the nice guy, especially with, I mean, I don't really want to use names, so I'll just say A or whoever it is. But I mean, I have this moment where <laughs> this is the most embarrassing. I think I remember walking home and crying after this. I was invited out to a frat in Cornell with uh, Kay, who was an- another one of these friends and her friends. And I thought, okay, this is, I'm the only guy of the group that felt like something, but it, it told something else, right? Like I'm sort of the, I'm a, a a I guess I'm. I was sort of a safe guy friend to be there, right? I think, but I didn't know. I thought like this could be my moment. We're gonna get drunk at the frat party, and then immediately when she gets there, she just basically starts making out with uh, one of the like. She knows Peter. I think was his name. At the, it is his name. I don't, I remember <laughs> that. Of course I do. Uh, and that and, the, and the, they like she would been. That was the whole plan for the night was to go and see Peter, and mm-hmm. I was just like you know miserable and thought that oh this was the the night to the point where I got really drunk and I interrupted them making out and revealed my feelings to her. Wow. Oh man. Oh, that's amazing. It is amazing. It is. uh, Yeah. I was just like sobbing in the quad on my way back home uh, afterwards. Like, and I deserve, like, I was just like, why did I, it was so, I knew it was, it was like that out of body experience. I was really drunk. Right. But it was also just like, what are you doing? Like, I just sort of wanted to destroy whatever that was that was a, a a person that you like had a huge unrequited crush on, or was she just one of many girls that you had crushes on? A nice guy would only be into one person, right? And I, I would just be in love with any person that I met, basically anyone that, anyone that did like me as a friend or, or appreciated, like laughed at my jokes or thought I was cool or, or just wanted to hang out. Like that to me was validation, especially with, high school where I just was too afraid to do anything. And I was just sort of a, until senior year, I basically, I tried to not make any, uh, moves really in terms of who I was or with girls or anything. It was definitely just more of a, it was the, from a, see the girl from afar in the bar thing, but only from like the cafeteria table or whatever it was that. Um, so right. yeah, th- those things aren't, it doesn't feel like a nice guy to be like, in, like, oh yeah, there was K there was a, you know, there was like I think I just wanted anyone to to love me. <laughs> uh, and right. To like yeah, validate you and see you and um yeah. I had like a
1: little bit of the I don't it's not the opposite necessarily, but like because there was like the one, I would get into other like I I, I met other girls in class or other girls at school that You know, even some of them told me that they had a crush on me, and I would kind of go down a path with them of like hanging out and going on like coffee dates or whatever and texting them. And but when it got too real, I would always just go back to, well, I have the one and I need to be available for her when she's gonna break up with her boyfriend. And what it was really doing is like making me never have to be anything that um could be rejected by somebody you know like that's that's at least that's how i see it in hindsight is i see there were a couple of really cool girls that like i was hanging out with like my freshman and sophomore year of college and i look back and i was like oh those girls like actually liked me for me uh it seemed like and i totally didn't want to have anything to do with them because they weren't the one girl that I deserved to be with, like, and I, I hope my disgust is like coming through, <laughs> um, you know, and it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard to look back on that version of like an, a, a very insecure, you know, basically just like a child version of myself. Like when you're, when I'm 18, 19, you know, the world has, it does. I felt like it designed me to like be an adult when I was 18 and make all these like big life decisions, like fall in love with who I'm going to marry and get the job that I'm going to have for the rest of my life and all, all that stuff.
0: So yeah. Oh yeah. No, I felt the same way. And I didn't, I mean, I, I think it was 25 to me felt like the time where I finally felt like, oh, okay. I'm not a child in the same way. I still feel like I am uh, daily I think but but yeah th- it took 7 years after and that that also felt like made me feel like this late blooming person which I've always felt like when 40 old virgin came out it's about a guy named Andy I was in high school I was a virgin and it felt like that was my future it was just like that's me mm-hmm. this is it yeah. and it felt like the movie was made as a joke for me like like or, and it wasn't obviously and it was just like what you were saying it was that fear of I'm be fear of rejection or fear of actually sort of, yeah, I don't know if I had the exact same thing in terms of like, okay, building up someone on the pedestal. I guess it was sort of like I, I spread the the let us say the wealth, like, oh, I have maybe more chances if I have like four like four girls that I'm in love with. I would always have the same thing where I would just sort of go down the path and tell something about the other person that like and this is someone that actually was into me in a romantic sense if they annoyed me in any way or if it was just something about it and it was almost like, Oh, well, we're not going to get married or, you know, something like that. Like that was the only reason to be with someone, but it was more like, Oh, that was, that was my excuse to get out rather than explore intimacy with someone. Right, Even in, Yeah. Cause it's like, it felt like, Oh, I'm only allowed to do that. Or I'm only able to do that. If it, if it's a or K or or some of these people, or if it's some new person that actually feels the same way and, in a way, maybe that is sort of what happened in my life. Like, I don't know if I completely committed or I was able to be vulnerable and tell Lily, you know, I, I I mean, I think, yeah, I've only had two, like, I would say legitimate long-term relationships. Most of them I tanked on purpose before that fact.
1: Yeah. 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 No, I, I, um, I, I can relate to that in, in a lot of ways. Like I think, my first long-term relationship was just me for the first time experiencing and letting someone um, who I had never met before like me for who I was in that moment. Um, And yes, obviously when I met her, I was attracted to her, but I didn't have a crush on her. I, I hadn't seen her around campus or anything. It was a, Oh, this is, this is fun. And I mean, honestly, like a lot of it was like, I just never, I I don't think I ever had enough confidence to think that someone else could actually like me. When I, I truly believe that, that like when I built those other, you know, high school or college girls up on a pedestal, like it was that, I think I shared that enchantment quote (laughs) with you being enchanted with somebody means somewhere that, you know, somewhere deep down that you'll never get that thing, you know? Um, it's and, a fantasy enchantment. Yeah. 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 Magic, right. And it, but it, and, but there is like that to me, at least like the, the idea of enchantment is tinged with a darkness, you know, that comes with a lot of like fantasy stories. Right. Is and in this one, it's like, well, you're never going to get what you want and you know it because, you know, you're not good enough. Oof. Like, I, but I did not, I definitely did not know that at the time it was all right, a defense right. this
0: mechanism. Is all, you know, this, yeah, is yeah, all I mean, in, very, this is all in hindsight. Right. This is all therapy aided, elevated uh, Zen Kyle. Now that we're oh, wow. I wish <laughs> <laughs> it connects to, you know, we were talking about validation uh, with these girls. And I think the same thing happens with writing, right? Don't, isn't that what we are looking for when we write? And, and, and so in some ways it makes me feel like I'm still that, that 18 year old like guy looking for validation through just words. Now this feels like at least dude. I'm not an <laughs> yes. asshole, nice guy in a bar, but it feels like the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> dude,
1: dude, I, when you asked me to be on this podcast, that like, Tingling part of my like uh, narcissism and validation, like like needing validation, like really like lit up. And like when you wanted me to read a poem, like a part of a poem that I wrote, then I was flipping through my book of poems and I was like, oh man, I got to read this one to this other one to Andy because it's so good. Part of my uh, the reason I want to be a writer is because I think I'm funny, I think I'm clever, I think I have an insight into people and an empathy. But I'm not writing for myself. I'm writing because I want other people to see that in me as well. And so it's like an ultimate, you know, rejection when you give somebody something and they don't light up and, you know, tell you you're the firstborn son of God,
0: you know? (laughs) Right, but it should be taken the exact same way as if you approach a girl at the bar and she's just like, "Sorry, I'm not interested." There's basically Oh, yeah, and then percentage. you go home and cry. <laughs> right, right, but it like it should it should, but like that also shouldn't matter because there's just like there's only so many people yeah. that actually will either respond to what you write or respond to you at the bar. It's the same sort of thing and I I don't I think I was so afraid to to write for so long cuz it felt like Again, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, I have to put myself out there and actually do it on that. But I think I do now, I do write for myself. I want to make sure you said you want to be a writer. This is that that was past Kyle, right? Because you are a writer. We're not, or do you need me to validate that for you, right? No,
1: no, no, no. I am a writer. uh, But yes, that that was one of the things that I struggled with so much. uh, Like, and like until I went to therapy, I was not able to, like, introduce myself as a writer, which, you know, there's still like, I feel like a stigma around, around that,
0: especially like just living here in LA. It's like, you know, quote unquote, everybody's a writer. And it's even like, I'm embarrassed just talking about on this. Cause it's like, Oh, it's another writer podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It is. No, uh, no, that's just, it's one of the identities that we have. And you said it's your longest identity of, of the ones that we're sort of talking about today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, When I was, I can't really totally identify it, but like being sometime in middle school, I felt like I had a way with words. I was, I was always funny, you know. Like that was from the time I was like in third grade or something. I, I was definitely one of like you know two or three, not like rebellious class clowns, but like somebody who could make people laugh. And so I think like that, the validation of getting laughter really was awoken like when I started being in high school and being in like, you know, English classes, I would get kicked out of class sometimes because I was just like, couldn't stop laughing at like shit that I said or, <laughs> or that Johnny said, or somebody, you know, I know that when I really wanted to be, start being a writer was like freshman or sophomore year. Cause I took a screenwriting class at the community college I don't. I can't remember if it was over the summer or if it was during the school year. But my my friend Ben and I, we started like our parents dropped us off because like neither of us could drive, and we would be at this class from like seven pm to nine pm with a bunch of, you know, random people from the community that wanted to write movies as well. That sounds and, awesome. Yeah, it it was really cool, man. Uh, it was because Ben and I. You know, I, another identity that I've had in my life is Star Wars nerd for sure. Um, <laughs> ben and I were huge Star Wars uh, kids, and um, we started coming up with basically our own Star Wars ripoff. Uh, you know, we were on a family vacation one time at the beach, and Uh, We started talking about this planet called Triestia and this basically Luke Skywalker-esque figure who was born under the third moon. And like, too. yeah, yeah. All of this, all of this, um, you know, sci-fi mythos that we're like, this is good. we had a little notebook that we started writing it. We're like, this is, we need to write this, but we didn't know how. And this was like that age of the internet where like you could find stuff, but like, we were 15 years old and we were not like, you know, going to read a screenwriting book online or something like that.
0: So. Right. Yeah. Yeah, You were, you were early to the game. I think uh, for me, I started, well, I started as a a drawer when I was really young. Me too. And like, and and like, I think I was five or six. And like, apparently the stories are like, people would line up for my drawings of Ninja Turtles and I'm like, you draw good. (laughs) Then there was like a, a contest when I was, I think I don't know around that age that like you submit like your drawing to or, or it was like a a sort of a local art festival, and I was accused of plagiarism basically that I didn't draw it. It was a wolf it was so that I drew good. A, a wolf. Uh, no yeah. way. Yeah, uh, which we're going to talk about. Maybe this is the the end. I didn't even know. Uh, but so I drew I drew a wolf. I think it was inspired by Narnia Chronicles of Narnia, and they basically thought my mom drew it. <laughs> and, they, and they they brought me into the office, like there's these adults and basically like draw the wolf. Like they're telling me to draw it in front of them to prove How, how old do. are you? I'm like five or six or seven years old, maybe eight. I don't like, that's, but like, I was terrified, right? Like you, I, a, I couldn't write on demand if you told me right now, like that's not how it works. Yeah. and so But someone is just like these people I don't know are basically looking to make sure I can draw. And I could not draw a wolf to save my life. And that just completely ended my drawing. It like oh my just, God, that's it, so traumatic.
1: Dude, and, this is so this is so crazy. A, I'm sorry like to make this about myself, but please um I'm just now realizing when you told me that you were a drawer when you were a kid. Draw um, that's how you say it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I and, and I had the same same identity as a kid. Like in school, I was the kid who that's how I became really good friends with Ben. The Star Wars kid was that we were both drawers. One of my earliest memories is sitting in my backyard with, I had one of those. um, Did you, did you ever have those Disney cassette tapes when you were a kid that came with like a little storybook? Yes, I I believe so. My favorite one was the three little pigs (laughs) and I was obsessed with the big bad wolf Um, to the point where like, when we finally when we went to Disneyland when I was in I remember second grade. Yeah, second grade. We took this huge road trip to Disneyland. And I I just wanted to buy something that was big bad wolf because he was my favorite Disney character. But he freaked me out. Like yeah, ooh, there yeah. there is this um and, and the reason I bring it back to the drawing was my parents last summer dropped off a huge you know, box of my stuff here at the house. And all my old drawings are in there from when I was in second grade. And there is a couple Big Bad Wolf drawings. And there's one in particular where it's like a profile shot. And he's like just looking out at you with like this really sly, mischievous, but dangerous grin on his face. And I loved looking at that when I was a kid because it freaked me out. It's that same feeling that I get when I watch like a good horror movie, like where I'm like, I'm scared, but I'm intrigued. But
0: yeah, it's strange that it's the wolf there as well. We should maybe introduce the wolf dog thing where, uh, Kyle, why? I mean, I think the main reason why we're even talking about identity is because like, what was it like last month you call or uh, you called me out of the blue to like rave about a movie. I didn't answer of course, because- I didn't answer. And then, but like you were, well, actually you tell the story. Why am I telling the story? You, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll what, tell is the story. This movie? what is this movie?
1: In and of itself, uh, a movie that uh, is hard to describe, but is. And probably uh, better off not, right? Like yeah, we want people absolutely. to go into
0: it without knowing what it is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's just, I mean, it's essentially an, expo- it ends up being an exploration of identity. And one of the central bits of the movie is, is this idea of the wolf uh, and dog hour, right? I knew you were working on this podcast uh, what it, what it was going to become and you were exploring different you know trying to figure out no this was this wasn't even just that you were doing this podcast it was the that idea that you can edit this out but like that you had quit your job and you were trying to figure out what you essentially you were meant to do you know the that Andy specific you know piece of creativity you know whether it was writing or a podcast or you know a travel writing or whatever it is cuz you have all of these different identities and that was me reaching out and being like hey like this is a i think it's validating to having a lot of identities and and being s- seen for them and judged for them Um, And feeling shame from them and, but also feeling like your life force is in them. I mean, I recommended it to a lot of people, but I called you like immediately after the movie was over because it was something I thought you'd resonate with.
0: Yeah, and I think when I was saying it, that I made that sound like such a, a, a it, it is a big deal for someone to call these days oh, right, I, for a movie. And that's what made me, like, sit up and take notice and be like, okay. And so I I, I did appreciate it rather than, you know, we've we we we've talked a lot about, like, feeling guilty about people pushing movies or TV shows on us because there's a million and how yeah. dare anyone. Uh, but, like, uh, this one's on Hulu, so enjoy it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh what you're saying about the the choosing identities, and and I've, I think I'm always overwhelmed by identity because it feels like I have to choose, I have to choose one, right, or or I can't balance all these. And it's sort of, I mean, I think what we are both trying to do is to embrace the multitude and to embrace all of these different things about us, rather than I can only be, yeah, a travel writer or 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 whatever it is, a podcast host, a father, you know, whatever it is, and it's like that's a limiting way to look. And also it's just, you're putting so much pressure on that one thing. And it's just, we're complex people. I mean, that's the hope. Uh, I want to be a complex person rather than yeah, just, uh, you know, w- whatever my job title is.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and it, it's, it's that uh, f- for me, the idea that the thing that I am meant to do, which is be a writer and specifically, you know, a screenwriter, uh, that, that thing is also what I've chosen to make my living at. Um, and so over the years, those, the pressures that come from, you know, making money and making money, but also like it completely influences the people that I meet. It completely influences my friend group. Um, it, it influenced where I've, fucking live, you know? So when all of those things are, uh, stacked on top of that identity that I chose, it's like, it feels like I can't ever move. (laughs) You know, it feels like I can't have other hobbies because I should be writing all the time because I need to figure out how to sell a screenplay. So like, there's all these stressors that are, uh, built on top of that it's an, it's an identity that I like desperately at times in my life have wanted to reject, like in seeking some sort of like calm or, you know, like idea of what, a what it would be like to like shut my brain off for a night or something like that, oh, you man. know, and, and not yeah. feel guilty about it.
0: Yeah. I can't do, uh, that I, I, you know, it's basically relaxing. Right. Uh, but it's sort of if I thought of myself just as a writer, and I, I imagine the same thing with you, we would also then, that would mean we're failures in a way because we haven't, and, and that well, you can make that mistake because there's no necessarily, other people don't have evidence of it. All I'm the only one who needs to know, right? And that's, that's the, it's taken me this long to get to that point, right? Mm-hmm. But it's sort of this, it, it, it does feel like that. if I, If I put all the eggs in that basket, or if i am only a writer then yeah then how am i i can never shut off my brain or ever relax if unless i'm writing or unless i'm working toward that goal but then you're not living your life and that's where all the stuff actually comes from when you're when you actually are relaxed is when you're able to write and that you know comes and goes <laughs> We are back. And I think we want to take this opportunity to sort of circle back. I think we we went off the path slightly. We're all in the woods. It's all this Yeah, style. exactly. Uh, but like we we're gonna go back. I think the wolf and the dog is something we're dancing around. We've been bringing it up a lot. People are like, what the fuck are they talking about? And, and to me, it, it means something slightly different in and of itself than what I think we have now used it as a shorthand. It's to me, it feels like this dichotomy dichotomy of what a man is or can be. And it's it is black and white. It's sort of you have to be the the dog. It's uh, the protagonist uh, in the present, villain in hindsight. Um, right. That,
1: that we were talking a little bit about earlier, right? And, and also being conscious of those things in the moment, uh, of the the things that are going on inside me, um, the thoughts that I'm having that feel like another person's thoughts, you know which is so much connected to identity. Like why why would nice guy Kyle think that thing? You know, that I would choose not to share those thoughts with another person because then, oh my God, what would they think of me?
0: It feels like if I have dark fantasies about women, about men, about suicide, about whatever dark avenue I could go down, that does feel like the shorthand is kind of like that's the wolf, but it also is like, Wait, that that's not Andy. Like who is that? It's almost it's almost a scary thing to broach. Um and 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 I was struck by when when you're talking about the drawing of the wolf, like even as an 8-year-old it felt like you were sort of flirting with that danger and your favorite oh, yeah. character was the scariest was the villain. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's like eating pigs basically or you know I think the probably the metaphor really is also just sort of like just murdering and you know, raping, you know, or whatever was happening in the countryside back then. Like that was sort right. of what that wolf represented. And like,
1: I don't know, the first thing, if, if, like, if I was in therapy right now and my, my therapist would, would be like, okay, so like what's, um, just like slow down and, and what what comes into your head when the big bad wolf is like looking at you and licking his lips, you know? He's looking at me saying like, I might kill you. And I'm like kind of excited by that, that I mean death is a possibility, right? Like it's a, to look death in the face is
0: exciting. But like the, right. the idea of it, the wolf being able to devour you, it does sort of feel like that self-sabotage too, right? It's like, okay, if I give in to the wolf, the dark side of myself, it's going to be fun. It's going to be insane. I'm going to lose myself. I'll be able to relax. I won't be thinking yep. about, whether well, people will like me. Or I I will lose myself right like I won't be there and for me yep. that happened a lot when I started drinking and when I when I got blackout drunk and and I even there was even a character name the wolf for me was apparently Drundy and that had a, a comical you know it, it rhymes with my name and I had shades of who it was Andy Dandy Drandy Drundy and Drundy was the one that no one wanted to meet and it was like this way to excuse that it was not me but also like it was terrifying. Like I, everyone would laugh or, or make, you know, it was almost like earnest, like Drundy goes to the, you know, the grocery store and knocks over the candy aisle. And I have no idea that I did that and it's all fun for everyone else, but I'm just like, what horrible thing did I do? And, and, but it was also like, it is like me flirting with that wolf. Cause I, for the first time it felt like, Ooh, I actually have some control. Ooh, girls like me. Ooh, I have confidence. Ooh, I can do these things. And then it was like, I didn't, I couldn't stop. Uh, or, or it was a slippery slope, right? I get I got too dark into the woods. Right, right. Yeah, no, and I think that's interesting.
1: Like I've been, I love getting to the like, I haven't done it in a very long time, but in terms of like drinking to a certain point, and getting just to that point where I don't give a shit anymore. But I did not like being blackout drunk because um, I never liked any uh, any of the, um consequences that could come from that. And what I really mean by that is I never like to be too out of control. The the way my brain works, it's why I can't why I don't like smoking weed. Because like I just think of all of the uncomfortable place I'm in, in my brain. Like it just like repeats, 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 repeats for me. So my I'm the I'm one of the spin-out kind of people. And like those things thoughts that you were talking about those you know whether they're wolf thoughts or yeah for me that was always like the wolf in my head being like you're a piece of shit like that voice like i remember it's almost like a devil on your shoulder
0: kind of thing uh, it does feel like the angel and the devil like these two things which neither of them are real that's the thing you know it's right it's both black and white again right Right, and and that's why I was sort of interested by the idea of the coyote, like we that like, and I we have I haven't brought this up to you yet, but like the like coyote and and folklore and mythology is the trickster, and it's also sort of that in between, I think, and those are always I think everyone's favorite characters and stories and things, and and they make stuff happen, right? (laughs) Yeah, they're the they're the inciting incident, but they're also the ones that we don't we can't necessarily trust. We don't know exactly what they're going to do. That also feels like they feel like maybe more real people because they're complicated, they're flawed and they're not just a mustache twirling villain, they're not right. just Luke Skywalker or, you know, or whoever it is. And I think there are so many, I think that being in the middle is really hard in our world. And and I I yeah. thought of James Dean because I finally watched East of Eden recently. And I just, he, he, he strikes me as a coyote, even though I think most people would think of him as he was sort of the wolf. He was this dark brooding man, but he's very sensitive and he's very, he's feeling his emotions are everywhere. And it's sort of that, and especially in the 1950s, I think that struggle right. was what he was weighing on. Like that he, he felt like he couldn't be himself or it was just like, I don't know, he was the bad boy but also not. And I, I mean we see those in TV shows and movies all the time and it's always we love to see everyone loves the bad boy who's actually a, a sweetheart. Uh, yeah, and yeah. sort of they oscillate back and forth. Um And and that ha- like man that that
1: die uh that dichotomy and that like being both those things like I think that that idea was is where the like leather jacket Munich Kyle Munich comes from, right? Yeah. It's like I wanted like I've told you this a million times, but like there's this song by the Gaslight Anthem that I love and it gets stuck in my head and I've said it in therapy. It's He says, I always kind of sort of wished I looked like Elvis. And like the singer of that song does not look like Elvis at all, but like his persona was to become like this, you know, rockabilly rocker um, and have that kind of get up for himself. And like, I think I... I was thinking those same things because I felt like that was a portrayal of masculinity that I had always wanted to be, you know, from when I was a little kid, and I was like the nerdy kid on the baseball team. you know, we've always talked about that too, you know, right. and, and being like the the nice guy started back then, even in elementary school, right? because all the cool guys on the baseball team that were more athletic and more. You know, rambunctious and and whatever like those guys who I was friends with, like I wanted to be them in some way because I was the chubby kid who they would call chubby. Um, I was the so I was soft, and I knew that, in at least at the time, like the perception of that was that like I didn't fit in in that way
0: right it also meant you weren't as good at baseball you weren't you weren't as good a man uh and it, it, like it feels like I, I had the same thing it almost feels like they were more comfortable in their masculinity or being a man or there was no complication it was sort of like owning it in a way that felt i, I didn't feel like i could do that uh, yeah slightly or, or that i was or i just didn't i didn't know if i wanted to do that because i i didn't necessarily like like i think you were friends more with the people on your baseball team than i was i I was always friends with them on the field, I think, and that's part of how I, you know, am able to act and, and and be accepted in multiple places, but I sort of I'm always like fuck these even as a kid. I was like I don't like these guys. Like, I remember the the wolf came out when we were like doing a a team huddle, like sharing our favorite movies, like introducing ourselves for the all-stars, right? And everyone yeah. goes around saying their things and Uh, tim ramberg who was my sort of the rival shortstop on the team and and sort of the this like coach's son he was the goody two-shoes and he he also said what would have been my answer to like star wars was his favorite movie and because i was just like oh fuck i like fuck this like he's a he's better than me and he was also more comfortable being the nerd kind of i feel like oh man i know that feeling so well and so what did I say my favorite movie was? I said American Pie, the most wolf choice you could say, especially in like eighth grade. And everyone oh, yeah. laughed and was so jealous. like They thought I was cool, you know, because I was yeah. like, oh, shit. Uh, and I mean, I did watch that movie with like my guy friends and we do the whole, you know, pause on Shannon Elizabeth, like yep. stupid stuff. Um, no, yeah, I
1: t- totally did the same thing, man. <laughs> it's so interesting because like, That brought up a couple things for me. I'll try and get get to both of them because I think they're sort of important for for me. Is like I remember being friends with those guys, like Chad Lukens. I think I've told you about him before, but he lived down the street from me, and he was the cool guy in our class. You know, in second grade, from then on, you know, through middle school, he was like the cool guy who, like, it seemed like all the girls liked. And then there was Caleb Hunter, who was. He was not as cool, but he was like almost the nice version of the cool guy. You know, like I felt like both of those guys were my friends, but I was always like, Caleb, Caleb gets me a little bit more than Chad. But like, I would always hang out with Chad because like we were always on the same baseball team and his house was a house that had a basement. So we could like go and watch TV and like be away from his parents and stuff like that. And I remember like one time we were wrestling and I was bigger than him because I was like the chubbier kid and I pinned him and like i just held him down and i was basically like in 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 my body and in my mind i didn't say this but i was like i'm not a pussy you know like i can beat you up don't try me you know like and i and i was a- i was so angry at my friend you know and i feel like there's so much complicated when that idea of like wishing i was elvis kind of a thing is like I always wished I was more whatever society's idea of manly was. And then I was angry for not being that, but also at the same time being like, I don't want to be that because that would mean I would be the wolf.
0: Yeah, I have this memory of, uh, I think I was like, I don't know, around eight years old and I was at after school daycare and I was playing with a girl named Elena Gibbons, uh, who I think I had like a very like child school crush on or whatever. And I remember we were hammering something. I have no idea why we were hammering or what we were hammering, but my dad picked us up. And I remember her bragging to my dad about how she was better at hammering than me. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was true, very much true that she was a better, like, and it was, and my dad is a man's man. You know, he is someone who can actually make, a, you know, things uh, with his hands. And and to me, it was just like, oh shit, the, this, I'm never I, it felt like in that moment I lost my dad a little bit. I was like, Oh, I'm not your son. Um, I, and I, like, or at least I'm not the so. manly son. Right. And, and I, and I don't think I've ever mentioned that to him. Um, but I think about it a lot. And I also think about, mm-hmm. I like, I never, I don't know, but no, but that like, hur- that really hurt. You. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, and I still, like, I think I still carry that with me whenever I have a hammer in my hand, right? Like, I still feel like oh, absolutely. I, like, I, I know that like I can do it, but like, it's not going to be pretty or, but some of that is also just me making it happen, right? That's sort of what happens. It's like, oh, I'm already assuming that I'm not good at a hammer because I remember this memory when I was eight years old and it's, I'm now 32. Like, yeah. I think I, 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 yeah, you know, I, but it's like self-imposed, right? Like, I don't think my dad did have a, a look of judgment or a thing. I, I think maybe I felt it and maybe it was there. I have no idea. But maybe it's like, oh, I want to be the guy who can do the hammer. Just like what you were saying. Like, I want to be Elvis. I want to be the sex symbol, the the guy, who the carpenter slash handyman, you know. Yeah, Han Solo, right? It's like. it's <laughs> <laughs> true. Luke and Han are the, the wolf and dog thing, too. Uh, and he totally. gets the girl, right? Uh, but he also sort of, he, he's, he's slightly less scoundrelly, right? That's what you have to, he's the coyote, I guess. Uh, he is. He is the trickster in that story, right? Because he yeah. switches sides kind of. It all—it always comes back to Star Wars.
1: It, well, it does, right? Because it's black and white, you know? And I feel like it's, the, I, mean, I don't want to go off into this yeah. whole other Star Wars conversation. <laughs> but like, it's its one of the reasons later like, that I like it less now.
0: We could talk about the wolf and the dog and the masculinity forever, and yeah, I think I sure. will be doing that throughout this podcast. This is sort of just opening the door and and in recognizing it and seeing it for what it is, and then I, I and I think to sort of close out and segue to the more new identities that we and Kyle have. Kyle was going to read sort of a, an unfinished poem for sure. us. This was a
1: a poem that I that I wrote I guess uh, wow, on September 8th 2020 um so this was about a month after I found out that I was uh, you know going to have a child um Woo! and I was very much in a place of the, the fires were happening right? like this was when L- LA was covered in smoke and I was super existential at that time of like I'm bringing a, bringing a child into not only into a world that is uh, being destroyed, that we are destroying, but like I'm also, I'm barely feel like I'm an adult capable of being a father. Like I'm married, but that doesn't mean that I don't like think about other women. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm not attracted to other people. And so, real core wound for me of my parents having marital problems when I was a kid and never wanting to be that person who could ever do anything like that and thinking like, that's an unthinkable, you know, thing that I would ever cheat on my
0: wife. And I have not done that, but like that wolf exists in me. Right. Um, The thoughts again, seem like it's, it seems like you're prosecuting yourself for the thoughts or like, or if I have the thoughts, that means I'm capable of them. Right. And, and I think that is true, but I think, oh,
1: what a sweet release it would be to just do them because then I wouldn't have to think about any of the, cause then I would have a new identity, right? Cause right. then I would be the cheater. Then I wouldn't have to deal with the difficulties of being honest with my wife, you know, of telling her that like, Hey, I I'm not feeling fully satisfied emotionally or sexually or, or whatever. It's way easier to just like have her hate me, you know, which is insane.
0: <laughs> Um, but that's how it happens. I think almost every single time. Cause it's like, Oh, we can't have that conversation
1: because that intimacy is so much tougher than, or it feels that much tougher because it feels like if I say this to her, then she's never going to be able to look at me the same because I'm this like squeaky clean thing in her mind. And it's like, you know, luckily Sam and I don't have that kind of relationship. And, from the beginning before like before we were ever engage, even engaged we were like hey we're going to be together for a long time and if if either of us in our whenever it happens but at the time we were like if we're like in our late 30s um and we feel like you know we're finding ourselves thinking about other people sexually and wanting to have other experiences like let's just at least tell each other that those are things that we're thinking about so we can talk about them rather than have them be something that we're
0: stewing over um, and like spiraling into to shame. It's actually awesome that you mentioned that because I remember you telling me that. And mm. I remember you were at my apartment and I, I remember you sharing that, that you guys were made a sort of a pact to share if you ever had feelings about someone else or like wanted to pursue something. To me, I was like, oh, they're going to make it like that. And I was just like, and that felt like Mm -hmm. really cool. I was just like, there's a slight awe there of like, it felt like kind of like a, wow, really? You would actually do that? But I was also like, that makes so much sense. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. and and I honestly, I think uh, my wife and I have sort of had the same thing. I don't, I don't think it's been as formalized. And I think, and I think that I think it, I think it needs to be, you know, cause there's nothing, It's. It, it seems like a shameful thing to be attracted to another person or to even want something else. But it's like, it's just natural for that yeah. to happen. To, I was like, that's where I was like, oh, okay. I need to like follow Kyle's example there. I actually had that written down as like what I wanted to bring up. So, um,
1: oh, interesting.
0: Yeah. Cause wow. I, I don't know. Like that stuck with me.
1: And it, it's, it feels like, so I don't even, even knowing that we said that to each other, like I don't know when that happens. Um, but just the fact that we talked about the door is cool because like now it, it takes away some of the shame, you know, it, it says, okay, I'm not, not just bringing this up for the first time, you know? And we, over the years we've had like versions of that conversation that are like, Hey, just checking in, like, I don't really know how I'm feeling right now. If I'm really feeling like this or if I'm really feeling like that, I just wanted to let you know that this is a thing that's going on inside me right now. And I tend to leave those things for a moment of explosion, but I always know that, like, <laughs> that Sam is going to be there to like talk to me about that stuff. She's just so much more even keeled than I am.
0: That reminds me a little bit of uh, even yesterday because I was gone for a week right and I sort of it built up my return as some like I had fantasies about what that would be in terms of physical ones but also just like oh it's gonna be great like I you know we miss each other and then we got there and it's just like I'm forgetting that there's another like it was, it was sort of the white male thing of just like, oh, you know, yeah. I'm the, the returning hero. Like, let's have, you know, let's have sex. Let's like celebrate my return. And it was like, she was working and tired. And like, she has one more day before spring break. And I knew all those things. And I was just like, but I couldn't help but be a little bit bummed. And I was just like, damn. And but we, and we sort of tried to talk about it. And I was, and I think uh, only now am I like, yeah, I was the complete, you know, idiot in that scenario.
1: Dude, I mean- I go through that almost daily because my wife is pregnant and like any negative, any like things that I'm excited about, like are tough to get her excited about because she's like, I'm in so much pain and I'm so uncomfortable. And then things that I'm mad about, I don't want to even share these things, but I do because I'm me and I'm a narcissist. And then I feel I'm not a narcissist, but I'm, I'm very much you know, it's just us here at the house, it's COVID and somebody's got to hear my thoughts. And then it's her. And then it's like, oh God, I know I want to hear you, but like, I'm never comfortable in any, posi- so it's like,
0: it's, I can't win. And, uh, but it's always about me. So, yeah. <laughs> but like, but at the same time, you're, you know, you wanting to share your angry thoughts or your, your sad thoughts, that isn't, you're not, yeah, like you said, you're not. Well, if they're about, if
1: it's if they're about her that I'm referring to.
0: Basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Because uh, it's yeah. like, well, that's obviously what we signed up for, is to like share those. But I feel the same way. It's just like, oh, Lily isn't pregnant at this point, but I, I definitely can imagine it because it's sort of what school feels like in a way, and it's also something so much bigger than us. It's like so much more important in a lot of ways. So it's just like, well, yeah, me being. Uh, angry about something you did or didn't do, or just something in the world that I'm angry about. It's just sort of like, nah, yeah. I, I, I sort of have to stomach that it feels like. And that's, but that's, oh, go ahead. Oh, oh, I was going to say that. I think it's still the dog wolf thing too. It almost feels like the masculine thing of like, oh, well, I got to just carry this. You know, mm-hmm. this is on me to mm-hmm. do uh, because I'm the man.
1: And you're being, I, I'll, I'll see if this resonates with you, but because it resonates for me, it's like, you know, whether it's pregnancy or whether it's school, like we're both pursuing our artistic goals and at the moment not getting paid to do them. So when it's like my day is a it's whatever schedule I make to work on my own ideas and in, you know, Lily's position and in Sam's position they're doing things that they don't get to dictate what their schedule is. They have other people literally inside them, like dictating, you know, for Sam, like dictating what her day is like, and she works. So it's like, okay, yeah, maybe my, maybe my artistic issues. um, Actually, that's, that's what it, that's the shame there. Right. It's like, well, my feelings aren't, aren't worth talking about because they're, they pale in comparison to what you're
0: going through. I, I think sometimes that is even why I, and we've talked about this in therapy of like why I even was attracted to Lily. Cause it sort of felt like I don't deserve someone who can have all of me or, or can, or like I'm overwhelming, right? Like I, no one can handle all me anyway. So if I, if I'm going to like <laughs> give you all these thoughts So it's just like, Oh, it's, it's reinforcing it. Like, and this is, there's a reason she is so busy and can't do it, but it's like, Oh, okay. Even if she was available, uh, I don't know if she really wants all Andy, but yeah, I guess we're, we're opening the door. That's what the podcast is. All Andy is coming out now. We'll see. But the, the poem, the poem kind of,
1: I I relate to that. I relate to that (laughs) so much. Yeah. Okay. So the poem, this poem is, it's called seeds. The fires are always in the distance, but I must be an optimist because I'm bringing a child into this world. What will they think of me when they find me howling at the moon? What? Will they smile when they see me tending my garden? When I bring them ripe tomatoes for them to eat? That's the poem.
0: This was you wrestling with the the newest identity uh, you know of being father right I mean this has a lot in here um, I, I mean it even mentions the wolf right and that's even before we've sort of used yeah. that as this shorthand that everyone's going to be tired of by the time we're <laughs> yeah
1: I mean but it, it like that's where the it's the specifically I think the werewolf right I mean it's mm. why it's such a I mean the the werewolf and that idea of like literally transforming in the night to being this
0: like ferocious untamable. i mean that's where it comes from right so right and and that one as a kid was my favorite monster and i loved all the universal monsters but also i mean the actor lon chaney jr is like a huge alcoholic and it's definitely that's the the drundy you know his version of drundy was sort of i think the werewolf is what he was exploring there at least that now is what i see or, or you know it's just the dark side of our personality coming out and it's sort of uncontrollable with the werewolf right you know every full moon you can't be stopped well it's i mean in a way that's what a blackout feels like right because there's no i have no control over that and people tell me it doesn't feel like it could ever be me but it's my body doing it no i mean i
1: i could tell i like that poem really specifically for me it's that fear of i'm gonna have a kid now and i'm gonna be affecting her in ways that i don't know how she'll see me when she's an adult, you know, and that that's just like, ultimately scary, because maybe I'm infecting her with, you know, the seed of something terrible. You know, I
0: don't know. To me, it feels like just what of you that you don't like about yourself, or that you that's are ashamed of yourself, are you going to be planting in your daughter, whether you even mean to or not, it's going to sort of happen. Um, it's sort of like the, the hammer example, like I got it somehow from my dad, I think, but it wasn't anything consciously that he did. Right. You chose writer, husband and all these different things, but is this the most conscious identity choice? Does it feel like that? Does that make sense as a question? Yeah. Well, and it's,
1: it does to me because I, you know, writer, like felt, didn't feel like a choice almost, you know, and husband was something that like, n- I never wavered from, like, I knew I always wanted to get married. And I remember oh or like I wanted to be in like a long-term, you know, monogamous relationship. Right. Right. When Sam and I, um, first started, you know, when we were in like that phase where we were definitely together, And we were talking about getting married. We weren't sure if we were going to have kids, you know, for a lot of different reasons. And I think when we really started talking about having a kid, it crystallized a lot for me um, of what I wanted in terms of my relationship with Sam, what I wanted as a person, just as who I am. And what I mean is that it's freeing for me to have someone else to care about more than I care about myself. And I think, you know, there's a version of that with Sam because she's my wife. And of course, I love her. But we've talked about this when we were getting married. It's like, we we choose to be together. We don't need each other. You know, we we make each other better hopefully and we complement each other in different ways, but Sam, Sam would kick ass without me and I would probably be okay without her. But we're going to bring a life into this world that will need us wholly and fully. I look forward to what my life is going to be like as somebody who has to act a lot more than think I'm sure I will continue to think and overthink but I've just noticed in the way that I do little chores now and the way that I run errands now there's more purpose to them you know they always say it's like the majority of parenting is just showing up and just being there uh and being present and I think like that's what I also hope too is that I I can be a present parent as much as possible. And, you know, these are the like ideal, like utopian version of
0: being, these are the theories of being a dad. When your daughter is born and then you're just going to be like, ah! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That you've had all of that thought and that discussion speaks to well i mean it's preparation it's also like it speaks to what will make you a good parent from from where i'm sitting which is you know i have, i have i am not a father yet you know that's something that we're talking about but it sort of feels like we're not ready i wish every parent had to have that conversation before they had a kid right that to me that intention is what you're saying like you want to do things with purpose and intention yeah. you brought her into the world with an intention and not even with like a Oh, well now we've married. Now it's time to have the kid, you know? And and sometimes it is, it does feel like that's how we live our lives. It's like, Oh, okay. Shit. It's time. Um, Right. And like, and I, and I would be dishonest if I didn't say
1: that like my friends having kids around me didn't influence, like, not that it was a pressure, but it was almost more of an invitation like Mm. of this is possible. And like, look at, yeah, it's hard, but like, there's a lot of joy in this thing in being a parent in, in raising a child, you know? And I think that, that wasn't something that I, I, I never like dreamed about it in that way. You know, like I, I never was like, I don't hang out with kids, you know, like I don't, um, I've never, I haven't babysat since I was a kid, you know? Like, so I think in, especially like in my twenties, you know, it's easy to like, be like, yeah, I'm never going to fucking have kids. Like this is fun, you know, (laughs) but like, I need grounding in my life. Like I, I I want a family because I think I'm like you, you know, where like my brain shoots off to the moon and that's something I love about myself, but it's also, there's a lot of negatives to that too, uh, of feeling unmoored and unsatisfied and, um, to be able to like have, um, a home base, you know, home is something that is so important to me. And, you know, what home means to me from when I was a kid is family and, and my mom and my dad and and me and my sister. I'm not saying that my daughter is going to get a sister or a brother necessarily yet, but like the little family unit that we're going to start, like is, it feels really important to me.
0: You know, I think we both sometimes, even with families that we love, we often sometimes feel like you mentioned unmoored or even a, a sort of this not belonging in certain places. Like I didn't belong on the baseball team. I didn't belong even with the nerds. I didn't belong even with the nice guys. Cause that was bullshit. You know, all these different things. This is a scenario and it makes perfect sense. You're creating a place to belong. You're creating where you belong, where Sam belongs and then where your daughter belongs. And that is what home is. And that, uh, that does feel like something that just will make it's going to be hard and very difficult but it's the right kind of hard and it's also the one that i think will help clarify all these identity identities too right a sort of like there's yeah. really it's not like oh i'm a writer and a hu- uh, like a husband and a father it's like no the father is sort of like the top of the pyramid and everything else sort of filters down from that i don't know if that makes sense it totally does because like that the number one
1: thing and like i i this is all speculative but i can only talk about how i feel in the moment and and like clarifying is really the feeling for me because i think in in a lot of ways this past year has been terrifying but clarifying for a lot of people of what really matters in your life right it's it's given an opportunity to like, I feel like it's, it's very strange, but like, I've become closer to you in the past year than like almost our entire friendship. Like we were getting there before I, you know, went lived in Boston for a couple right. months, but like, you know, there was like an excitement of coming back and like, like, Oh, I think I'm going to be better friends with Andy now, you know, you know, no disrespect to anybody who's not on this list for me, but like, hanging out with friends is not going to be something that I'm going to be doing a lot of, I assume, or I'm going to be doing less of it as a father. Um, And so the people that mean the most to me are the people that I plan on spending time with. So I think that that is clarifying uh, about being a father. And then Sam and I are going to have to figure out like our relationship within the bounds of being parents. And I think like, like it's already brought us closer together in terms of like, the conversations that we're having in anticipation of being parents. But I know just from everyone else, I know who's become a parent that like finding that time to make time for your relationship is a, maybe the hardest thing about being a parent is that you need to make point of going out on dates and you need to make a point of
0: saying, I need help. Right. Just the like the husband identity will sort of be superseded by father and then it be, you'll be mom and dad, not, husband. Which mom. I can't
1: wait to just like, when she finally like calls me dad, like, I can't wait for that. I think that's going to be, and then I'll like start calling Sam mom in reference to our daughter. Like that just, that sounds
0: really cool. Sounds like the best. Uh, I hope you uh, tell me when that happens. I, uh, after, after you've been present in the moment, of course, <laughs> I'm like probably, you know, number if I'm in the top 10 on that list, that'd be nice. Um, but yeah, I think uh,
1: I just, I choose this moment to read you a list of my 10
0: friends and you're not on it. Oh God, that would be terrible. That would be an amazing end. I have to have everyone to be like, okay, rank me I love ranking. So yeah, rank me. Uh, like he's t- he's 12, 12, 12 seems okay. I would take 12 cause I know you have like a million really close <laughs> friendships. Like you're always on like a two hour phone call. I talk to you way more than I talk to
1: 99% of my friends. So good. I needed that. Just know that. Yeah. Okay.
0: I know that. Well, and, and this is, I think this is where we're going to, we're going to start getting to the, the, the wrap up here. Cause I, we are talking about that friend thing and I realized it was, I don't know if it was conscious, but like, you know, you becoming a father is, is going to change our relationship. And obviously from a selfish point of view, my favorite identity of you is is friend. Right. So it's like, it's and it, it does, like you said, we've we're probably the closest we've ever been right now and in this last year. Yeah. And it's sort of like, well, shit, in two weeks or less than that at this point, you're that feels like in jeopardy. And, and but it's also like from a point of view of like, of course it is. And I want you to, you know, but it's like, it's like, shit. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, 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 I admit a little bit, there's a little bit of fear there of like, oh no, yeah. I'm going to lose Kyle right when we, uh, right when we're here the similarities that the similarities that you and
1: I have will always be there, whether you're a dad or not, you know, right. like I just had this, I talked to my really good friend, Andrew this weekend, and he told me this story about how he has a two-year-old now. And um she's at the fa- she's in a phase where she just only wants to be around mom. And so if mom and dad are both home, he cannot comfort her at all. It's like, who are you kind of a situation? And he's like, I find myself like getting really hurt by that, like emotionally, like rejected, you know? And then I told him this story about, to keep it short, I bought this book that I was going to read out loud to Sam um, because, you know, she can't get out of bed. And it was a, a book that we had read together when we first started dating a comic book. And within the first two pages, I was like reading in a voice and I was, I made a weird noise in the voice of the character. And Sam was just like, please don't do that. And I was like, I'm just being the character. She's like, no, but like the way you did it, it made me feel sick. And she's pregnant and she's sitting in bed. And I had this whole idea of how much she was going to love this thing. And she rejected me. And I I told Andrew, I, I stared at the ceiling for a half an hour and didn't say anything. And I was like, so As a husband and as a father, you can both
0: be rejected by the women in your life. (laughs) Uh, And that's what we want. We thrive on rejection. But Uh, it's just
1: like, so we're still going to relate is what I'm saying.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No,
1: I I mean, I related a lot to that for sure. Uh, (laughs) Like I remember in, in college, I had this thing called default friends it was me and my buddy Drace. I I told him, I was like, how many friends do you have? And and by the way, like me and Julian and Mike we're default friends because like, we're in the same dorm room. So like, you can't count us, you know? And that was like in high school, it was like, you're just kind of there with people. Like you're thrown in, right? You don't even have to make much of an effort. at least that's how I felt. It was, it just felt like you didn't even choose your friends almost. It was just like, you kind of found them. Whereas like now, like, In order to be Andy's friend, like, I'm gonna have to write down in my notebook on my list of things to do, like call Andy, because I care about him. And I need you to be in my life, even though I have this new identity, that means I have probably less time.
0: Right. I mean, A, thank you for writing me in your notebook. I hope they're every day. It's just, you know, Andy notes. You're in my notebook, don't worry. A A plus K. A plus K. Oh, yeah, with a heart around it. Uh Uh-huh. To me, that default friend thing also, I think, goes to default male. Like, I don't want to be a default male anymore, or or whatever that means. I want to be, it's all about being the intention or finding a purpose of who I want to be, who we want to be. And and the clarifying and terrifying, I feel like is a really good motto for this year of, of our lives, but also just maybe this podcast, this, this episode, uh, thank you for joining me. This, this show wouldn't exist without you. Uh, and that's, uh, I, Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm a a stepfather of, uh, something else as well. A podcast. (laughs) The podfather. Um, <laughs> thank you, Kyle. You've been so generous. I, that's the word that comes to mind to you. I think every time I talk to you, you're so generous in terms of your time, which I think is the most, that's the most important thing to sh- like, that you can share, right? Uh, and then also just sort of your listening and yeah, I don't know. You help me know myself better. That is really sweet. And I'm actually
1: like, when you said that, <laughs> that was so weird, man. I want people to see me as generous because I like I genuinely when I'm talking to you, like I hope that how much I care about you comes through. You know, that when I'm listening to you, I hope you know that I'm I'm listening because I and I want you to you know, I want you to be happy. I want you to be the best version of you. I want you to figure out who you are and I want you to do the same thing for me. You know, like I've thought about that where I was like, man, like if I, you know, died or, or was able to see other people talk about me, that would be what I would want them to say is that like, yeah, Kyle was there for me and he listened to me and he reached out to me and he cared. That's kind of all I
0: really care about. What, is, what else is there, right? And, uh, I think we did it, Kyle. Thank you Great. so much. Yeah, and, that, uh, thanks
1: for having me, man. It was like super meaningful that you asked me to, to join you because it's, you know, it's flattering that you would want to talk to me anyways, but that
0: you'd want to share it with people too. There was a safe space here of like, okay, if I'm going to do this, Kyle's the one to open the the floodgates. And now, now you have a kid and I have this podcast. <laughs> We made it. I'm so grateful to Kyle for being here and to you all for listening. I hope you got something out of our conversation like I did. I know I vow to continue the clarifying and terrifying work of examining our identities. And I'm happy to share that Kyle's dad identity is off to a wonderful start as his daughter is happy and healthy at home with her parents. You can find the guiding light for this episode, the soundtrack of Kyle's life, and all others to come on the Naked Man Spotify page, Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell all your friends and fun uncles about us. Let's start a nudist community. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NakedManPod, and don't hesitate to reach out to us at NakedManPod at gmail.com. Next time on the Naked Man Podcast, I invite my inspiring new friend, Kat Pettibone, to discuss female-male friendships and why they can be so difficult and scary. In the meantime, as my dad always says, be sweet. This episode of the Naked Man podcast was conceived by Andy Green in collaboration with Kyle Dickinson. The Naked Man is a podcast hosted, created, and produced by me, Andy Green. The theme music was composed by Robert Panico, and all graphics were created by Christopher Miles. Maybe should I change it or or keep you in my phone as as Kyle Munich? I love it. Yeah, keep me as Kyle Munich. It's a good memory for me, you know? It's a good memory for me.